0: We're going live because it's Saturday. It's 7.10. If you've been waiting impatiently for us to get up and going, it's just because we're already drunk. It's 7.10 and this is Parenting Porcupines, Libertarian Moms. We're going to be talking tonight specifically about uh, there's no rubric and you can't grade us, which means you can't shame us. Bring it. All right, I was only kidding. Um, Jessica and Melissa are not already done. (laughs) (laughs) This is the no rubric episode. No rubric episode. (laughs) Where we talk about how there is no rubric for being a parent. There's no grade card. There's nobody to tell us that you're doing it right. And so how did you know? So of course, I'm Casey out of Columbia. Jessica's up in the Upstate, Melissa down in the Low Country. We are the Libertarian Moms of South Carolina, and we're talking tonight about wanting to be good parents. But how do you know? How do you know that you're being a good parent, Jessica? Bump in here. What do you think? How do you How
1: do you know? I think I I measure I measure my success as a mom on how adjusted my kids are. If they're well adjusted. Um, if they're respectful and kind and I think if my kids are those three things, I think I've done. Okay. Um, yeah. If your kids are
0: respectful and kind
1: and well-adjusted
0: and well-adjusted. Okay. I'll give you that. These are, these are good measurements. What about you, Melissa? How do you measure your effectiveness as a mom?
2: Um, my job is to raise a functioning member of society. So when they come back to me from other adults, and I get, oh, your kids are, you know, a jo- nice to be around. They're helpful. They're, you know, they're kind. Good. If their teachers and their grandparents and the other adults they interact with give me good feedback, I'm like, okay, good. I'm doing something right. <laughs> We're on the right path. They're not little jerks out in public.
0: All right, all right. So, so, so they actually have. do know how to act, even if they don't do it at home. So now, while building our rubric, we have helpful, kind, well functioning adults. Okay, yes. I'm with you. That's I'll the be. goal. So I think the reason this uh, hits home with me is I have um, experience with parents who want their kids to be happy. And if their kids aren't happy, that is the judge, right? And so at that point it's this desperation to make said children happy. Um, and, and I, I admit choice, that. though. Yeah, right, yeah like a lot of the time
2: it's it's not it's not a it's not an emotion like I'm happy all the time.
0: Content is better than happy. There's a great song by a uh, by um, a band, oh what do they call the Dead Poets Society where the guy sings about um, I take pills so I'm happy all the time. <laughs> Like, you could put your kids on medication and make them happy all the time. That's 100% the way to game the system if happy is your rubric, right? Um, Or you could ask yourself, really, what does it take to be a good parent? And am I meeting the needs, right? So I think, like, of course, keeping Holly safe. We'll, we'll, We'll go with safety as the very first category. Like, is she safe? not just from harm from other people like but is she safe in that the house is not going to catch on fire right there's nothing here she can swallow like the little mr yuck sign on the poisons and things like that like how we've kept holly safe um and that's the first piece i want to tell you guys a story about (laughs) keeping holly safe um we went out she and i one afternoon on a saturday and we went for pizza and we were walking out of the pizza joint and mom had had a beer or two and uh, we were just sort of teasing each other and pushing each other back and forth. And I hip, hip checked her and she's little, she's like six at the time. And she hits the concrete and scrapes her knee, right? Well, when she scrapes her, and she, when I look at her, she's okay, she's not crying, but I like help her stand up and she scrapes her knee, she looks down and knee he starts to bleed. And she gets a little panicked about this. I'm like, all right, well, let's hop in the car, we'll drive home. And well, in the meantime, as we're driving home, it starts to bleed even more. And it's like, now it's like gushing blood out of her knee. And I hear her in the back seat of the car, like trying to calm herself down. It's okay, it's just a scratch, you're gonna be fine. Like she's like like mentally talking herself off the ledge. And since then, when I tell this story, I'm like, it's not a gunshot wound, Holly. It's a strawberry, you're gonna be fine. But she had been so well protected up to that point that literally she's six or seven years old. And that's the first time she had had a scratch on her knee. The first time she had broken skin and and (laughs) seen blood was at like age seven. I mean, my God, could I protect the child any better than the (laughs) person? And again, in the backseat of the car, like it's a gunshot wound, like... (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> everything's gonna be fine i'm gonna be fine i'm gonna survive this of course you're gonna survive this stuff. fucking bloody knee it's not a gunshot wound but at the same time as i'm driving i'm like yay me yay mom for not letting your kid <laughs> she hasn't had a single scratch till now it's oh like having God. a new car and not getting a dent for seven ah. years <laughs> i don't
2: and my six-year-old is so beat up that I I, I'm a, I get nervous that someone at school is going to notice and call someone on us, because she is from tip of her toes to her neck, just bruises and scratches and welts and bumps, because she doesn't care, she has no fear. Wait. Jump, okay, jump. We'll see what happens. <laughs> like she runs full speed into things. it's She's walked into parked cars. <laughs> I worry about her sometimes, but that's okay.
0: So that's a good point though. Like is the physical wound evidence of bad parenting or is it simply my kid needs a helmet?
2: (laughs) I've considered making some of the children wear helmets
1: just to walk. It's not always a bad idea. Um, I've, I've never been that mom who worries about, them getting physically hurt. I mean, obviously, I don't want them to get hit by a car or anything serious like that. But, you know, if you fall and you scrape your knee, um, you fall and you bump your head, I feel like kids need those experiences because they learn like that's certain things are dangerous and then they understand what pain is, where it yeah, comes from. And so things like that. Um, so I was always, I've always been that mom who's like, okay you do this you're probably going to be hurting and if they do it anyway and they get hurt I'm like told you told you sorry
2: <laughs> and <laughs> I don't know that's, that's dad's job
0: yeah well and that's the thing is I don't remember trying possibly. to prevent Holly from being injured just for whatever reason she had not yet been injured up till that yeah. point right like at one point she fell when well, so, she yeah, was some like, kids years are- old She fell and she got like hand scrapes, you know what I mean, like little Mm -hmm. scrapes in your hands. At one point she fell in in, uh, daycare and she had one of her teeth knocked out. Like These kinds of regular rough and tumble things had happened Mm -hmm. to her, but she hadn't done, she wasn't climbing trees, she wasn't riding bikes, she wasn't doing the kind of like, the things you expect your kid is going to experience an injury on. And that brings me to something we talked a little bit about in our Slack channel, which is our experience as kids, what we think childhood is supposed to look like is our experience, but their experience is very different. And what are your thoughts on this? Like how much of their experience do we think we are trying to model it after our own? And how much of it is like letting them be kids and do childhood the way childhood looks right now?
1: I've noticed a common theme among people our age. And that is this need to keep your kids busy. Um, and that's something that I've never really understood that you have to be on the go all the time. You know, that every Saturday you have to be at the trampoline park or Frankie's fun park or going to the movies or doing this thing or that thing or the other thing. I- I've never understood that. And I. Uh, growing up, my parents, that's not what we did. And maybe that's why, you know, I played outside. I went outside from the moment I woke up, came in for lunch, went back outside until the streetlights came on. Um, and so, you know, my kids don't necessarily do that because it is a different time. Um, our neighborhood is not such that they can, there aren't other children that they can play with and that sort of thing. Um, but to some extent, well, I do expect my children to entertain themselves. I'm not. I'm not going to be their entertainment. I'm not going to. I'm not here to make their childhood magical. Um, they need to do that for themselves. And so, I think in that way, I am very much the same kind of parent that my parents were. It's like go outside and play with a stick. Go <laughs> <laughs> don't throw rocks. I don't care. No, that-
0: I think you made two really good points, though, Jessica. The first one is that your kids are expected to create their own experience, right? And not just expected, because we talked about this last week. They're empowered to do that, right? They're empowered to have the, the freedom, the liberty to create their own experience, which is amazing. And then the second piece of that is I'm not here to be your tour guide. I'm not your your ship's guide here that's gonna entertain you all the time. It's not my job necessarily to make sure that your childhood is magical and wonderful. I'm not, Disney doesn't pay me. So so to that extent, Melissa, you've got three kids. Do they help each other build their own experience? Or are It depends on their moods. (laughs) Sometimes they're
2: screaming, sometimes they're getting
0: along lovely.
2: But yeah, on a daily basis, they're left up to figure it out, do something. Just don't hurt each other. That's my, (laughs) stop screaming, stop hurting each other. But like, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna move on to something else, but if you have a question about that,
0: well, I was just gonna say. In which case, do you see yourself more as a facilitator, somebody mm-hmm. who, like I said, does that? Here's the basics: I keep you safe, I keep you fed, I keep you clothed, I make sure you do what you have to do, like go to school, right? Yeah. Um, and beyond that, your oh, I'm not the referee. It's up to you. Yeah, you can.
2: If if they're fighting or something, I, you know, I have some kids that are like, oh, mom, she did this, he did that, I'm like, hmm. I. No, <laughs> figure it out. I will sit here and I will help you two learn to speak to each other and work through the problem. But I'm not here to say who hit who. You're the bad guy. This one's innocent because they're not. They egg each other on. They're big. They, it's all just a mess sometimes. But is that for, consistent like, with ex- how
0: your parents helped, um, worked through your scenarios? Like, are you modeling the same? I don't know
2: because I don't remember ever fighting with my sister like this because we weren't allowed to. It we it wasn't it wouldn't even cross my mind to smack my sister or to scream at my sister because it wasn't allowed. <laughs> How my parents got us to realize we're not allowed to do this, I don't know, it was magic. <laughs> I don't
1: understand, <laughs> but
2: I was not allowed to fight with
1: my sister. Oh god, my brother and I used to beat the shit out of each other. Yeah, no. Other. Oh my god, no. No. We would I I no.
2: That's unacceptable and I don't know why we wouldn't. But <laughs> No, we were not allowed to fight. No, no, no. Yeah.
0: I don't <laughs> we, remember we, we had
2: heated discussions, but there was no yelling, there was no physical
0: pushing. No. Nah. Oh, we yeah. would fight. Uh, my sisters and I would fight. And we would fight to the point that um, when my mom told us to stop fighting, it would become whisper fighting. Like, I told <laughs> you. I mean, like, like, it would be like, like fighting under the radar. So mom couldn't yep. figure out if that's <laughs> what was happening. Um, and then we had another friend who, when he and his brother used to fight, their punishment by their dad was that they had to hug each other on the sidewalk in front of oncoming traffic. So every time a car would come by, their dad would be like, boys, a car's coming. Better get those arms around each other. And they had to like hug each other as the car would So public by.
2: embarrassment. I love yes, it. Yes,
0: exactly. exactly. <laughs> so these are the kind like awesome. when we think about there's no rubric, we're following the models that our parents set for us, right? They say, yeah, we liked this, so we're going to do
2: that. This was the worst, so we're not doing that. So we're not going
0: to do that, right? Um, And I wonder, though, because we have a whole group of would-be parents now in Generation Z and the millennials who are growing up in an era where they were given very tight controls that said, hey, uh, this is exactly how you're doing it right. And everybody seems to be right now sort of desperate to be told they're doing it right. So, what do you think, Jessica? Are you, do you feel like if your friends give you some kind of reinforcement to that, or your parents, like, is there a sense of pride around being a,
1: a, a so called good mom? Yes, of course. It's always good to hear when people think you're doing things right. Um, it's always good to have positive feedback. And so, especially from people that you care about and people that you respect. Yeah. And so whenever my parents or my grandparents or aunts and uncles or close friends or even just acquaintances who meet my kids, when people tell me what good kids they are, how impressed they are, whatever that is, of course it feels good. And of course it's reassuring that I've done something right, you know? Yes. One of our, but, but that
2: also comes with a grain of salt because, like y'all see me at my best with my kids usually. <laughs> They're like, "Oh, your kids are so nice." I'm like you don't see me when I'm screaming and then crying because I screamed at my children and I feel like an asshole for a day and a half. So they see how my children act in public. But
0: yeah, so <laughs>
2: <laughs> no one knows all the stuff. Is all I'm saying. So. No,
0: that's true. Nobody has visibility <laughs> to the full spectrum of it, right? Um, Jessica, it's a
2: roller coaster.
0: Jessica, one of our viewers wants to know if you are older or younger than your brother. And I think that question comes from before when you said you guys beat the shit out of each other.
1: I'm older. I'm older. <laughs> we we didn't. Now, when we were little, we didn't. And uh, but when we were when we were entering the teenage years, that's when um, we would. Like it was nothing for me to get him in the headlock and body slam him. Like, <laughs> and he would do the same to me. Um, but nobody else could do it. Only I could do it. Cause if you I messed with my brother, but yeah, I'm, I'm older. I'm not older.
2: That's the privilege of being the sibling.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you can't
0: touch him. But when you guys think about your parents as role models, and I know that some of them are are watching and and, or going to watch. My parents won't watch because they don't give a rat's ass about anything I do ever even now. But uh, there's a a beautiful sort of uh, ignorance as far as that's concerned. It's like, oh, that's lovely dear, dot, dot, dot. Um, But anyway, so, but assuming that uh, you're comfortable with admitting this, do you think of your parents as having been role models clear role models for you as a parent when you became a parent,
2: Melissa. Absolutely. I think <laughs> you know they raised me, so I think they did a, a wonderful job. <laughs> but you know, bias. No, I I think I, I do a lot of the same stuff that my parents did. Yeah, I, I I think they did a pretty good job. No one's perfect, but I do quote them a lot. I find myself saying things to my children (laughs) that my parents, you know, my dad has a couple taglines that are, you know, if they don't want to be your friend, fuck them. You're better off without them. It's their loss. Yeah, that was my dad's philosophy. It's their loss, fuck them, find new friends. There's enough people out there who cares what these idiots think. Oh, I'm that way too. Like,
0: I I can hear myself (laughs) sounding like my dad, and even Charlie will say, like, Okay, Larry, you know, like pat me on the head. <laughs> like, I'm exactly <laughs> like your dad right now. Like, yeah, I get it. I, I hear that sound just like him. Um, Jessica, what do, you, what do you think? Do you think your parents gave you that example of like, this is who I want to be or, or the vice versa, like this is not who I want
1: to be? Yes. <laughs> ah, both. <laughs> A little bit of both. A little bit of both. Um, my, my mom and dad divorced when I was 14. And I lived with my dad, and so um, one of the things that that I value about the way that he raised me um, from that point forward, because he was doing it, you know, by himself. I say by himself. Our family was our village, and he had two brothers, and they had wives. We had my grandparents, um, so it really was a village, but. I think the thing that I value the most about how he raised me as a teenage girl was that he always gave me freedom to make my own choices, but we always talked about those choices. Um, We talked about who my friends were. We talked about the activities that I was going to be participating in if I was going to parties or you know, whatever the thing was. Um, and I always knew that my dad respected me because of those conversations. And I never, and he trusted me. He gave me that freedom because he trusted me. And I never wanted to lose that. I never wanted to lose that respect. I never wanted to lose that trust. And so we had a very, very, very close relationship. I mean, when I was, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old, my dad was not just my dad. He was my best friend. And so the way that he handled that in, in this really difficult time as a single dad of a teenage girl, like it just, I always, I've always valued that. Um, even when we've disagreed on things, even when we've you know, we've had arguments where we haven't spoken to each other for, you know, a month while we cooled down. Um, but that experience and 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 that parenting example is something that I really want with my kids because I know how important it was to me, right. even as a teenager. So Yeah,
2: yeah walking because that line between between not friend, but someone you can confide in and yeah. trust. Right. And the guidance from a parent, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because yeah. yeah. we talked
0: about that a couple of weeks ago when we did our meanest mom on the block, right? Yeah. Where it was, I, I'm not doing these things because I want to be liked. I'm doing these things because it's the right thing for my kid. And the flip of that, like, I'm not doing these things simply because I'm a mean witch of a woman. I'm doing these things because it's important that my that there are boundaries set between us and these other children in our neighborhood, right? So when I think about that, the the vision for the kind of parent I wanna be, it was less about me. Like that vision was less about what kind of mom do I wanna be? And it was more about what do I want Holly to mm-hmm. get out of me?
2: How yes. can yep. she <laughs> What get? kind of adult am I raising?
0: Yeah, the very best yeah. experience for Holly. What kind of adult do I have to be in her life to give her the very best experience. And it was never about like, oh, I'm Holly's mom, look how amazing I am. It was always about what can I do to push Holly to where she needs to be and make her successful and make her confident and give her the ability to make the right choices and make her a functioning adult in the world. And, And all of that has always been me subjugated to Holly, which what's interesting to me about this is like, most of the time when we talk to other moms, they think of themselves as putting their kids first. And yet sometimes that judgment, that rubric, that are you a good mom bullshit that comes through. Of course I am. Like they're at gymnastics
2: first. three nights a week, and they do uh, baseball, and it they sounds speak like three, three languages,
0: languages. and They speak yeah. three
2: languages. You think that's what... <laughs> parents are supposed to do like my kids I'd be exhausted if my parents
0: by extension yeah
2: yes yes look at my child do all this stuff so that means I'm awesome yep
0: you so you know these people too we all know these people they're not just up in the midlands (laughs) no 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 Mm -mm. Yeah. And don't
2: get me wrong, we did a lot of stuff growing up, but that's because we wanted to. My sister and I were just bananas, and we were on four sports teams. But my parents never said, you have to do anything. We got to choose what we want. We were lucky they let us do so much. But my mom would have would have preferred we didn't half the time. When I got my driver's license, it was the happiest day of her life because she could stop schlepping me all over town. <laughs> I could take myself to my own practices and my sister. So she's very happy.
0: <laughs> well, but so that brings to the idea that like these show moms, right? The backstage moms, the ones who are putting their kids into um, pageants and stuff like that. And Jessica and I, we were at the Libertarian National Convention down in May. We saw <sighs> they were having a little like- They were, they, were having like, a huge pageant. Like, pageant. Or whatever. And, and we were super judgy about these women. Like, I'm not even going to deny that I was. I wasn't. Like, I, I fully thought, why would you do this to your daughter? Why would you put her in a doll's well, that, gown? I have. Her I her have tried a child
2: would do that in a heartbeat.
0: That would have loved it.
2: Oh yeah, she. She. Oh yeah. I have one child. All she wants is to be on stage. Like, she wants to be front and center on stage all the time. The other one, you know, the other one, like, throws up if you look at her. But, (laughs) like, don't look at me. But the other one just is, she is the star of the world. So she would love that. But I'm not paying all that freaking money. That's crazy. She's (laughs) sick.
0: I'll pay for
2: your college instead.
0: But I wonder about that, though. Like, I wonder about these parents that, and we've heard it from sports parents, too, where, you know, the dad didn't make it in college baseball or whatever, and so he's pushing the kid to be a good baseball player, insert sport here, right? Like Mm -hmm. that kind of concept to me, like how much self-awareness do you need to know that what you're pushing is your own objectives versus the kid's objectives? Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I mean, Jessica, so, so Jackson plays baseball, the mm-hmm. engagement that he's had with his sports team and his coaching and all that sort of thing, has that always been Jackson-driven? Or do you guys hold him to, hey, you made a commitment? Or is it like, we believe he's talented and we're going to push him until, you know, he loses his mind?
1: <laughs> um, a little bit of all of it. So Jackson started, <laughs> Jackson started playing baseball when he was seven, I think. Um, but he was really good and he enjoyed it. And it wasn't that we we took the position that you have to be the best. You have to be the best. It was we want you to be as good as you want to be. And so if you want to hit the ball better, we will get you a batting coach. If you want to be competitive, we will find you a, a tournament ball team. Um, and so it, it was really it was it it was driven by him. It was all driven by him. But as long as he was willing to make the commitment and make the investment, show up to practice, do his best, we were going to give him all the resources he needed to be as good as he wanted to be. Yeah, we'll make know. that
2: commitment with you.
1: Yeah, right. And he didn't. Now he didn't start playing competitively at that young age. He didn't start playing competitively until he was. 9 or 10, but he loved it. Like he lived for it. And then actually what what made him not want to really play anymore, his batting coach passed away unexpectedly. And so it just really had a, he had a hard time. And then he was playing on a tournament team and there were some parents at the ball field he was catching. He played catcher. He played pretty much every position on the field, but his primary position was catcher. And they were like heckling him. <laughs> he was he was eleven. He was just like just turned uh, uh, eleven. You wanna they watch were, get arrested? They were like, <laughs> I mean they were going at it. And of course he he like he wasn't gonna turn around and say anything because he was like, they're adults and I'm a kid, I have to be respectful.
0: Right. No but after don't.
1: that he was like, Mom, I'm gonna he was like mom, I'm gonna finish and then I'm done. I don't wanna play anymore. I need a break. And we were like, Okay. And that's that. So uh, Yeah, a little bit of all three, I guess.
2: See, I'm still waiting for my kids to find something they like that much.
0: They have to do
2: something. I I don't care what they do, but you have to have preferably a physical outlet, a sport. Pick any sport. I don't care. They do troop meetings. I was just camping for three days with the American Heritage Girls troop. (laughs) My son decided he didn't like his troop meetings anymore. He did it for two years, so... I told him, you have to talk to your troop leader and quit. I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. But So we let him quit, but his he plays soccer. So he's got something.
0: Yeah. I want well, to you guys know I made college swim. I mean, um, I mean I, until she can find another sport that she's interested yep. in, like swimming is a thing. <laughs> and um, I'm getting a lot of pushback from a lot of different directions on it because she's very unhappy about it. Um, but I, I noticed that the unhappiness with swim is the same unhappiness that she has when I push down on her about schoolwork. So it's like it's just <laughs> no, it's twelve year old unhappiness. Do. That's all. Yeah, it is. like it's just it's just preteen, it's preteen uh, crap. I don't want to do what yeah. I want. So let's talk about this as we get to the end of the episode about the the LP about being a libertarian. So did being an LP member and being surrounded by other LP members, did that influence your parenting style? And I'm gonna say this from my perspective. I I thought what I was doing was um, maybe a little weird because it wasn't like what my friends and neighbors were doing. But then once I got into the LP and like met you guys, I was like, that it's not true. Like I, it, when do we have this. <laughs> When we have this common understanding of liberty and a common understanding of autonomy and a recognition of other individuals' rights to make choices for themselves, and when we extend that to our children, that feels like a natural thing for me, for you guys. Like, and so I feel better supported. Like, even in our conversation about the meanest mom in the neighborhood, where I was like, my God, I might be fucking this all up because I don't have any rules. If you haven't seen that, you guys, people who are watching right now, you, <laughs> you need to go back. to a marshmallow. And watch the meanest mom <laughs> in the neighborhood, because I am apparently a total marshmallow. Um but yeah, like, but I think once we started talking about like, what is our philosophy? How do we come at this? It wasn't the libertarian party necessarily. It was meeting other like-minded individuals who are mm-hmm. raising their children in the same way. So Jessica, you're nodding. Did you feel the same way when you came to the LP?
1: Not immediately because my involvement started at the local level. So my, my involvement started at the County level and at the County level, um, there aren't many parents with kids. Um, like there, there are. There's one couple that have a baby, and they have a daughter who's Jackson's age. There's another guy who's got a few um, kids at different ages, but we didn't really see each other beyond the meetings and things like that. And so, I think it wasn't really until we went to convention. And the three of us were able to spend some time together and Casey and I spent a lot of time together because we (laughs) rode in the car and we were roommates for the weekend. But, um, you know, I think that was the point when I realized that there are like minded people. There are people out there who who are teaching their children similar values and similar perspectives and. You know, not just giving them what they want or, you know, they're, they're teaching them and they're talking to them and they're holding them accountable. And all of these discussions that we've already had, you know, there are other people like me because I do. I get a lot of criticism. I get a lot because. Again, if you haven't watched it, go watch The Meanest Mom because, guys, I'm the meanest mom. It's, it's already been established. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I do. I get a lot of criticism uh, because people think I'm too hard on my kids. And sometimes I may be. But, you know, I think it's I just I think these things are important. And knowing other people who think these things are important, even if they teach their kids these things in a different way. They're still important, and so knowing that there are other people who think those same things are important, it's, it's well, nice
2: raising raising two boys versus raising a single girl. Very different dynamics. Having very different girl, dynamics. Yeah, yes. very different dynamics. Yeah. So it, boys need a stronger hand sometimes because <laughs> they're all crazy.
0: Well, I'm very strong. <laughs> as a matter of fact, in our, um, in our state party meeting today, uh, our state chair, Sean, and I were talking about. Um,
2: Sean is <laughs> Alex's husband, y'all. So so
0: I don't know if they did that. Sean said, I've, I've learned that if you want something done, you ask a woman to do it.
1: That's and what I he said. Like, that's that's what he said to me to get me to agree to chair the membership committee. That's <laughs> the conversation
0: that started this. Was me being like, "How did you get Jessica to get on the committee?" And he was like, "Well, I've learned that if you want something done, <laughs> you ask a woman to do it." And done. I said, "I said, let me tell you something, Sean. There is a history of men choosing their club over their family, and the reason they did that." was because they wanted to abdicate the responsibilities. They didn't want to be in the dirty, in the muck. They didn't want to be in the how, they didn't want to be refereeing, they didn't want to be part of the experience. So that's a history of men. When we think about men going to their club, going to their whatever it was, so they didn't have to be part of this, right? When we go to play golf, <laughs> when my husband to go to play golf, um, people look at him like he's crazy. Why did you bring your wife with you?
2: Because I love my <laughs> like, wife. We have fun at, together.
0: <laughs> because he's a good man. That's exactly right. These other men are saying, like, we're here to escape our family. The whole purpose of being on the golf course is so that our family doesn't know that we're, you know, we're we're indisposed for four hours. And um, I think there's a history of that where we watch men sort of step out and away. And the LP, our party, the Libertarian Party, has um, been that place where some men have come to uh, be part of it, right? To be part of something, but to not have to do the work of what's happening at home. And when we hold them to this work, like, hey, there's work to be done in the party. When we look at it, the people who are actually doing the work in the party are the women. And it's because we are ex- we expect it, like we know there's work to be done. We're going to have to step up and do it, right? And so it was interesting to me for our state chair to be like, yeah, I'm not surprised that the women are doing this. I'm like, I'm surprised that you haven't said to the men, get your shit together. This is how the work is done and you need to do the work. Like, I, I, What I want to hear now at this next stage is And I think, and this is to pull it back to our parenting conversation, like we're seeing a new generation of dads that want to be more fully engaged, that want Mm -hmm. to be part of this uh, parental uh, participation, right? Like they want to be actively involved. They want their kids to know who they are. They want to have that role in the family. And so this concept now of like, are you a good mom? It, It starts to sort of pull back into the like, as a family unit, how do you function? And that's the question I really wish we were talking about. I don't want to hear, are you a good mom? Because that's, Mm. I mean, everybody's got their own judgment, their own rubric, their own bullshit and baggage that goes with that. What I want to hear is, is your family unit functioning in a way that is turning out individuals who will be contributors to society? (laughs) Or is your family unit so broken and, dis- and and dysfunctional that maybe you could use an intervention, <laughs> right? I got to say, I got to brag
2: on my husband for a minute. My grandmother thinks my husband is like the best person on the face of the earth. <laughs> he ch- When we had kids in diapers, he did diaper change. He does bedtime. He cooks dinner. Like my great blue, my grandmother's Mind because mm-hmm. her generation, she went to work all day, got home, and my grandfather would look at her and say, What's for dinner? Go, I don't know. I just walked in the door. You've been home all day. What's for dinner? Yeah. But he, you know, he wouldn't know how to feed himself if he was dying of starvation. Yeah. So she, she thinks my husband's pretty cool. Oh, my and my he's
0: pretty. He's yeah. okay. <laughs> my mother said the same thing about the partnership that Charlie and I have. She's like, I was blown away. I came to your house and Charlie cooked and you cleaned up. And then the next night you cooked and Charlie cleaned up. And I thought, isn't that (laughs) cool? Because my whole life I have cooked and cleaned up. And I'm like, yeah, that's not how partnership works. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Somebody sold you a bill of goods. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, I travel. I mean, I travel for work a good bit. Um, And a few years ago, I actually had to go to India and I was there for two weeks. India, not Indiana. India, um, <laughs> like awesome, across I'm the jealous. world. <laughs> um, I got to go to
2: Tennessee for a week. Yay.
1: <laughs> before I left, when I was getting ready, um, one of the members of my husband's family asked me,
2: "Who's going to take care of the kids?"
1: Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. yep. Their father—that whole the other parental that unit that? that that is in my home. Uh, you know, that and adult uh, but, over but there. of course, I mean, but of course, my husband's like, of course, I'm gonna do it. Like, she has to go for her job. I mean, this is because he has to travel too sometimes. But um, and then I've, you know, I've, I, I, I get a, I get a lot of, um, I get a lot of that. Like, who's gonna? Yeah, they do.
2: Charlie said, "Stay at home dads rule." My dad, yeah. my husband would, my husband would be feathers yeah, days. He's not so keen on the idea, but he would be a stay-at-home dad in a minute. But he yeah. makes
0: man, not, it's not significantly
2: day. more than me anymore. But
0: look, that question makes from my most daughter. Of the money. Read, she saw it on Reddit, and I, apparently, the Reddit question was: If your wife made twelve million dollars a year, would you stay at home? And the idea was, <laughs> why would and she ask me that? She goes, "If you made twelve million dollars a year, would Dad stay at home?" I was like. Are you kidding? If I made two hundred grand a year, your dad. would <laughs> Yes. Yeah. All you need to do if is I cover the cover spread, yeah. Expenses. Your dad would stay home. I was like, yeah, I have been, my husband too. Yeah. yeah, like he's not. Tra- he's not in a career that is his passion. He's in a career mm-hmm. that is his job, right? And he does yeah. it, and he likes it, and he's happy with it. But it's not the same as being in your my driving force yeah. for living. Yeah. So if he didn't have to work, of course he wouldn't work. Of course he would do something that he's more passionate about. He would care for Holly. He would care for our home and our family. He would love to, I think he would love to do that. And um, we just that's just not our financial reality, right? Mm-hmm. So when we get back to this concept, this idea of this rubric and are you a good mom, are you a good dad? there's a lot of judgment that comes out of that, right? Where we look at other people and we say, who's doing it right and who's doing it wrong? And I want to hope that you guys are like me where I'm like, I don't have time to give a damn about anybody else's marriage. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm at the point where I'm like, you do you. Like you just, you know what? Until the kids come over to the house and start interacting with Holly, at which point I'm like, what's happening here? That mm. might be disruptive to, yeah.
2: If your kids kid come to my house and they're an asshole, I'm gonna judge you, especially the younger the kid, the more judgment is on the parents because it's a little kid, yeah. Like, if your kid's an asshole, this, this reflects on you because,
0: yeah. And what do you do about it? I mean, do you I don't say know. something to the I don't parents? Know. You just no, not invite the kid like over that. again, like, how yeah. passive aggressive or I don't know. Aggressive do we need to be about this? And I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. We've, we've been lucky. <laughs> yeah, we, I have answer for that. We haven't have no we that. Have <laughs> experienced that too much. We really haven't. I mean, it's been that the kids that um are undesirable, I should say, she Holly weeds them out. Like she stops spending mm-hmm. time with them because she doesn't want to be around them. So I haven't had to say to the so car, you haven't had like, to your, your in, kids yeah. not welcome here because she's yeah. Holly has said like this isn't the right person for me but that may not lie and not everybody's
2: for everybody that's fine but yeah yeah
0: yeah and they have a right and they have a right to be assholes like that's the other thing i keep telling holly i'm like they have a right to be assholes just because they don't believe what you believe doesn't make them bad people they have a right to believe whatever it is they want and you decide whether you want to tolerate that and experience that or whether you want to say "Mm, you're not for me we're not going to spend time together. I don't know. It, We're at 43 we've minutes. W- we've w- wandered longer than way. we We have definitely wandered <laughs> away from our revert conversation. <laughs> but Jessica did a really good job in the notes of like trying to add in some of the things we've had to say about it. So <laughs> it's like, I mean, rambling
2: like, type stuff. Mm-hmm.
1: What are we saying
0: here? What are we do? What are we really trying to say. Um, we have, in the past, had a very scripted conversation, and tonight we were like, "Ah, oh, we'll just wing this okay. a little bit, and I don't know, sometimes it goes on longer than. You to. <laughs> so we have yeah. a couple of things coming up. We know we want to talk about uh, grief and, and how your kids deal with grief. We know we want to talk about, there was another one that we talked about last week that we said might come up this week. So There's a consent. couple of different things. Oh, consent is the other one. It's we have boys, a series. Yeah. yeah, we have a series called Boys Will Be Boys. So one of those two things is going to happen next week. But we want to say thank you to all of you who've been watching and hanging out with us and participating with us tonight. Uh, you have left comments and we've been commenting back in Facebook. So we appreciate you doing that. And also on, YouTube. So our YouTube comment factory has been working this time around too, which is super cool. We are the Libertarian Moms. Goodbye, Jess. Goodbye, man. Melissa. We'll Bye, guys. Hi,
2: y'all. <laughs>